Welcome to the Heal, Cleanse, Love podcast. Life is better when you are aligned with who you really are. When you are you, capital Y-O-U. How do you get more aligned? I've found that doing things that fall into one or more of these categories, healing, cleansing, and loving, as often as you can, will get you closer and closer to the real and most beautiful you. Come and be still for a Quiet your soul for a time There's no place like real, and this is Heal, Cleanse, Love. My guest on this episode is the singer-songwriter of the song that's featured in this podcast called Be Still. Her name is Holly Klug, and you may know her from another one of her songs. The name of that song is Happy Little Things. Two years ago, it started to take off as the perfect musical accompaniment to the photos and videos that capture the happy little moments of so many, including Joanna Gaines and Jen Hatmaker. At the time of this recording, Happy Little Things has been used in over 244,000 Instagram reels. Holly's music has been described as authentic and inspiring. She's a solo artist, a wife, a mother of two, a worship leader, and a member of a folk pop duo called People on a Hill. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I was really moved by the thing that Holly finds beautiful in this world. I think it's such an amazing thing to keep in mind when we face things in life that perhaps we wish we didn't have to. I want to start with the song Be Still. When did you first release that song? I, I think you released it just on YouTube at first. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and I think that was like 2011, maybe. I think that's the year that I wrote it. It's a long time ago, it feels. <laughs> I um, mm. learned of it right around that time. So mm. our connection, although we hadn't met until recently, in person is uh, through your mother-in-law. She posted, I think, your video of Be Still on (laughs) Facebook, which is how I heard it for the first time. And just like, I can't even tell you. I mean, not only love the song, but just the meaning and your voice and the purity of your voice and your, you know, intent, at least as I felt it. Um, It just, like stood out to me one of the lines in the song is oh thirsty soul come and sit here with me drink what i am come let me fill you again i mean yeah god i love that can you um share with us a little bit about the song and what you wrote it for or how you wrote anything about it yeah absolutely Um, So I actually started writing this song when I was on, I led worship for a youth retreat. Um, And one of my good friends 
Kathy Roters was the speaker for that retreat and she just led all the students and, and I was there. So I participated, you know, just in these kind of, um, devotional times. And one of them, we just all had a little candle and, you know, it was just this beautiful moment. And I remember just really needing that at the time I was working two jobs full time at Panera Bread, part-time worship director, and just was really busy. Um, and just to be reminded of, oh, I need this moment to just stop moving um, and just be, like, be in the presence of God. Um, and so during some of the free time that I had that weekend, I just started writing this song. Um, and the song really is from the perspective of God speaking to us, like, come drink what I am, you know, the idea of... Um, that I see in scripture of I'm the living water, right? Like Jesus saying that and um, that he will, he will satisfy that thirst. So that song was really um, a reminder to me of like, come just be like, you don't have to do to earn my love. Like you just sit here, be in my presence and I will fill you, you know? So that was, that was really the idea behind it. God, I love it. I just think it's so beautiful because also hearing it from with your voice and you know person to person I feel like so many people are um, waking up to the power of holding space for others in that way and uh, yeah this just captures that to me of what it means to hold space for somebody and how powerful, you know, that really is. Happy Little Things. When did you write that song? Um, That one was earlier. That was like 2009, I think. So... I was married in 2008, so I was, was newly married. Life was wonderful. <laughs> it really just came from this place of kind of just regular life. Like, um, you know, we all have those days, like, in work, like, uh, like not, not the best day. But then just reminding myself, oh, yeah, I have so much to be thankful for. There's so much around me. Um, and I was always, I was always the kind of person to look on the bright side you know um so it's just that's really just who I was at that time just yeah there's a lot of little things to bring us joy okay so um yeah and you currently have over 71,000 monthly listeners on yeah Spotify is that largely due to happy little things taking off yes. in the reels yeah yeah so what was that like? Describe kind of, I guess, you know, when you first became aware that that was taking off and what that was like. Yeah, it's really surreal. Um, I think it's almost almost two years ago now um, that one of my husband's cousins Instagrammed me. She's like, hey, look, your song's been used in like... 12 reels and I was like oh my gosh that's amazing like who knows my music right like that's cool and then every now and then I'd like hear from her oh this like person that I follow and now it's been used in like 
over a hundred reels, you know, like, so she was kind of my first person to like put it on my radar. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of kept keeping an eye on it. Yeah. Um, and the past year, year and a half, it's really just taken off yeah. and you know, like a handful of famous people that I follow used I it. Like, oh my gosh, Joanna Gaines used yes, it. Yes, that's and the one I was just trying to Jen think of. Hatmaker, who I just love following. Um, so that's been like super meaningful to me to see people that I um, really enjoy watching and hearing from use my music. God, um, it's gotta be. Yeah, it's been wild. Yeah. I remember thinking too, like, Man, I released this, you know, over a decade ago. Like, what is happening? You know, why now? Kind of in a sense. Um, and I'm I'm honestly, well, obviously social media wasn't really such a thing back then when I first released it. But it's, I love that it took that long. I didn't at the time, right? Like when I first released it, of course, I think any musician's hope is that, yes, this is going to like really go far people are gonna love my music right yeah um but I think just for me so much my perspective on life had changed so much in the past decade and like to have it take off when I'm not even trying to make something happen just felt so good like this is it's like a gift from God I'm not striving for it it's just like happening when it's supposed to happen so I just love that and I and I hope that that's that's encouraging to some other people too. You know, like you you put your work out there, whether it's a podcast or a song or a piece of art, you know, and just trust like, okay, it's just, it's going to reach the right people at the right time. I can do my part, but like, I'm not going to strive to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And the why behind what we do, you know, the why of being, I create it because it's what's in my heart. Yeah. And it's what I want to do and and um, actually going forward and doing that and putting things out regardless of where it goes from there. A meaningful experience for me which happened to be at your CD release party in 2012. So yeah, mm. that was um, your mother-in-law again had posted that this was happening. Um, and I loved Be Still so much. So I was like, hey, you know, to two of my friends, do you guys want to go to this party, this CD release party? And they did. And at that point I was pregnant with Riley. So I'm pretty sure that would have been May, it was somewhere between May 22nd and two weeks before that. And the reason I know it is because I was waiting on the amniocentesis results. The Mm -hmm. test had been taken um, and it took two weeks to get the results. And so I was in that in between time. I I was in a very calm and good space. And went to the CD release party and um, when we got there, there was a family there that had an adult daughter with Down syndrome Mm -hmm. and I kind of knew that the results were going to, it was one of those things that was a bit of a sign for me Mm -hmm. 
And um, so it just kind of stood out and I don't attach it. There's no good or bad. It was meaningful is, you know, what I could say. And then the opportunity to be able to, you know, reach out to you when I got the idea of using Be Still in the podcast and mm-hmm. to connect and then you being open to it and, and then saying yes. I think it's noteworthy too that then when once, you know, Riley was born and I was sharing a little bit with people um, online of kind of the approach and the philosophy that I had and um, your mother-in-law was one who was very responsive to that and supportive and um, and then a few years later or a year later um, your second son was born with some disabilities Um, can you share what you'd like about that yeah Um, so my youngest was, it would have been 2014. Um, so at his 20 week ultrasound, he was diagnosed. Well, they sent me in for extra ultrasounds uh, a couple weeks later. Um, but his diagnosis is semi-lobar holoprosencephaly. It's a mouthful. Um, but basically the front half of his brain didn't divide like usually the whole brain is kind of split down the middle right so the front was fused um and the prognosis was you know most most of the time these kids are either miscarried or die within a year um so that was just yeah very intense (laughs) very intense time of life yeah um working through that and yeah, so that's his diagnosis. He, I mean, he's almost nine now, so he obviously is here. Um, he's such a great kid. You know, he's beautiful. Yes, there are severe disabilities, um, physical and um, communication. He's very communicative in his own way. Yeah. Um, you know, and he can say single words here and there, um, which is awesome. Um, but he's, yeah, I mean, it's been a really big challenge in a lot of ways, but he's such a light. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely to to me, to our family, you yeah. know, to everybody that works with him. It's just like, um, yeah, it's really beautiful, isn't it? To see, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I found with Riley too is that it's like we get to see the most beautiful sides of mm. humanity, the people that come forth. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of wild like I think about all the people that I've met because of him and his situation. Not that I wish for that diagnosis, you know, for for other people, but I I can at least see how like yeah, we've gotten some incredible people in our life because of that. Definitely. And I mean the people that work with kids with disabilities, I just like I, I've cried so many times, like, yeah. you know, seeing his, all the different therapists that have worked with him and how much they just try they to, to understand him and to get the best, you know, um, out of him. And I know, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It is. And I feel like my words or I feel like anything I say or try to convey to them just falls so short mm-hmm. on how grateful I am. Yeah for them and who they are and what they do. 
I think any any emotion that you know we kind of tend to label as bad like you know be it fear anger sorrow you know all the things that we're uncomfortable with I I definitely grew up in a church culture that whether explicitly or not it was communicated in some form like you don't want those things, right? Like it's almost like sin to be those things or yeah. to have those things. Um, and it and it took me a long time to realize for myself that it's not like it's just it's just human. And like yes, I want to. We all want to get to that positive, but it's like if I don't allow myself to be honest. It's just going to be sitting under the surface forever, right? Like, so fear, absolutely. I was, I mean, I definitely was scared um, with my son's situation. Anxiety, I went through a time with some depression and some pretty intense anxiety. And, you know, it wasn't something that I could just pray away or pretend wasn't there, right? Like, I just, I had to learn how to, okay, like... To pay attention to it, (laughs) you know, and like, okay, why am I scared? Why am I anxious? Why, why am I feeling these things? Um, I think going through a bit of therapy had helped me like (laughs) to do that too. But, um, and I think I realized too that, you know, if I want to experience deep joy and deep connection and I have to be able to experience all the other emotions mm-hmm. just as deeply. Like mm-hmm. for me, that's that's what I've come to terms with. Like I have to allow myself to go to the depths of sorrow so that I can come through on the other side. Yeah. Um, and same with, you know, fear, just just admitting it. Not that I allow it to overtake, but, but I do think um, a lot of us have been told it's not okay to be afraid. So you just pretend you're not, or you just, um, you know, same with a lot of those emotions. So I, I'm of the mind that it's, it's okay to feel all those things and you need to, to get to the other side. Did you find when you explored your fears, uh, maybe around your son, did you learn anything for me? It helped me to see where I was attaching to specifics about Mm -hmm. in kind of in the background of my mind of, you know, how you think, how I think life should be or, and that when you really delve into it, that there is so much to learn that, um, so much to uncover as to what these, you know, subconscious programs are that are running in our minds and then causing, you know, unnecessary suffering in other aspects Mm -hmm. of our lives because it's simply about our expectations that we aren't really even aware of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, well, I think looking at fears helped me. Well, it helps me understand what's important to me. I think I had to learn to, like you said, you know, attaching yourself to these specific outcomes, learning that, like, I have to let that go. Like, I have to be able to accept what my life 
is and not what I thought it was going to be. I have to accept my my son's situation and not what I had hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think it helped with with just learning to accept. And also, I think when you look at fears, it helps release the anxiety because, you know, um, imagining okay, well, what's what's the worst scenario, and then like understanding that no matter what happens I in the end I'm gonna be okay right yeah. like I will still feel God holding me together yeah. in some way yeah um, you know whether he had my son had passed away or not I think obviously that was something I was scared of right and mm-hmm. just learning to accept that I can't control the outcome but I can enjoy this moment yeah and it helps to learn to live just more presently, I think, instead of yeah. um, just learning how to not not think too far ahead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is hard to do sometimes. But. It's very hard to do, <laughs> but that yeah. that's what takes our joy, no matter how, quote, yeah. good, good, you know. I mean, these things that we attach as being good, no matter how good circumstances are, If we're not present, we're not actually enjoying it. I just wish that we consciously as a society, as humanity, embraced everybody. I mean, we talked about the Mm. people that come and they support these children. And I just think about what if we all, what if every child just had that Mm. outpouring of love given to them every day by a community of Mm. people and those people who give this love to these kids, they, they're obviously helping the person strive for things, but they're not holding them to these, like, you have to do this and these mm-hmm. expectations and these benchmarks of where society holds typical kids. Yeah. And so I just think there's so much to be learned mm-hmm. about how to nurture mm-hmm. every human being from how we nurture and love children with disabilities. Yeah, yeah. With your son, do you find that that's freeing, right? That there's no comparison of what he's doing to other children. There's no, he's not going to school being ranked. Yeah, I think I think in the beginning that was that was really hard when you're watching your baby yeah. and other pe- friends with babies, right? And nope, not making the milestones as all these other kids are. But I think definitely, definitely now. Um, after having accepted like okay yeah this is who he is and these are his abilities um absolutely like i'm i'm glad that we don't have to be you know we're not we're not looking at grades we're not looking at um his skills in the same way um yeah i guess there is kind of a sense of freedom in that yeah it's just we're just going to help you achieve what you are capable of. Yeah. And we'll see where it goes. And help you be happy along the way. Exactly. Right? And how important that yeah. is and how much I think that gets 
pushed aside mm. in a lot of ways with typical kids, you know. Mm. I mean, we want them to yeah. be happy, but it, it, I think our definition of what that is is mm. wrapped up around a lot of are they doing the things that will make them look good or make mm-hmm. them, you know, succeed. Yeah, that's true. And I, I definitely see that with um, my son with disabilities, like helping myself see that for me too. Like, I mean, our society is so, so insistent on determining worth by what we do and being able to watch my son and say, oh my gosh, he is like fully worthy of love and life and like he's never going to accomplish what my other son is going to do and that's totally okay it doesn't mean he's any less and then remembering that about myself too yes oh yeah and that's the same for me oh yeah and that's the same for my other son and you know and the people around me when I'm when I'm tempted to um find worth in the things that we do or like look down on somebody else you know it's like nope I know. (laughs) We're not tied to that. I think about it, too, coming back to the song Be Still, because it's like there were times when I used to feel bad about resting. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Because that, you know, like I would see other people just like doing, 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 and like finally coming to terms with, oh, no, like actually... I can rest and that's okay and that's good. Like it doesn't mean I'm I don't have to be accomplishing every moment of my life. Like yeah. I need to just be. What Jesus said was most important, like Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I always, I mean, I come back to that constantly. Like that is what I want my life to look like. Um, And about how, you know, loving God or worshiping God with all our heart means like, yeah, even those, those parts that are like, hurting we bring that to God we don't just pretend that that's not there right or our whole our whole self like part of my worship part of my loving God is being honest with him um I think that's incredibly important especially probably especially for people that grew up in the church just because that's what I'm familiar with but I just see so many people that seem to think that it's unacceptable to express your anger or unacceptable to admit that you're depressed or unacceptable to um, admit that you're scared. And yet I see in the Psalms constantly all of those things, you know, and how that is our example. Like, yes, those are things we can come to God with. Um, and that's a way to worship him. That's a way to love him is by expressing honesty. It's not, it's not just all about the, the happy things and like thanking God. Obviously, I think that's great. And I, I am um, 
I agree that yes, being grateful is a really important thing. I think that helps with a lot of things, but like if you don't first pour out your soul to God, if you don't first express things honestly, I don't think that you can really, it's just not a full expression of love, right? It's like you have to bring your whole self. ask every guest um and i would love to know what is one thing that you find beautiful in this world oh um something in nature because that is i'm all about nature um the creek so i love i absolutely love running water i always have like just sitting, sitting by it, feeling it moving. There's just something so incredibly life-giving um, and beautiful. And I remember this one moment. I was, so I spent some time in Denmark, actually, and I was coming to the end of it. My time there, I was going to be moving back to the States. And I just remember sitting by this small creek and thinking, like, I was watching how there were rocks in there and watching it bend around and that's what I love I if I see a creek I think it's most beautiful when I see rocks and the way the water goes around and it winds I don't want it to be straight I just personally don't think that's as beautiful and I realize like man isn't that like life like as much as I don't want these obstacles or things that feel like resistance isn't that what makes the creek the most beautiful like watching how the water pushes against and finds a way around it and like watching, you know, and as, and kind of as much as I would like my life to just be a a straight path, isn't it like more beautiful when I see the Creek, like making all of these little turns, you know? Um, and so for me, um, water, like the Creek, like that's, that's beauty, you know, the, the way that it speaks to me, the way that I, I feel it even just, um, I'm, I'm the kind of person that loves, I love hugs. I love affection, you know, and and I remember these moments when I would just like man, I could use a hug, right? And I go to the creek and like I feel the water on me. It's like getting a hug from God for me, you know, mm-hmm. or rain, but um I just love it. There's so much beauty in the water. Wow, that's beautiful. I will <laughs> remember that always. Just to see mm-hmm. how like our two lives, even though we had never met, you know, kind of mm-hmm. just were kind of touching, you know, and in meaningful yeah. ways and that we don't always need to meet people, you know, mm-hmm. and how it's still so important and valuable. And I just want to mm-hmm. thank you for following, you know, your heart and mm-hmm. putting your gifts out there because they've really touched me so much and have been very powerful and meaningful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, oh, it's, it's meaningful to me to hear when my music means something to other people. You know, that's, that's the best part to me about writing music mm. is just knowing that it's, touching somebody else as much 
as it does me.